listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. Good morning, Red Church. It is such an honour to be with you this morning. I so wish that I could be there with you in person, in part because you guys are heading into summer right now. And meanwhile, here in the UK where I am, it is seriously cold. It's about two degrees. It's that kind of frosty morning. It's freezing here in our office right now. So I am very jealous of your Australian sunshine and wish that I could be there with you this morning. But honestly, it is such an honour to be invited to share with you all. And in the midst of such a strange year that we are all having, I don't know too much about what lockdown life has looked like for you guys over in Australia, but here in the UK, it has been a really tough year. And I imagine it has been similar for you guys. These times that we're living in are remarkably strange. And one phrase that we hear a lot at the moment, and I'm sure you have something similar, is we talk a lot about the new normal. Life in this year has been this new normal that we're kind of adapting to, or some of us are trying to get back to normal. But here's what I want us to think about this morning. As people of God, living, as the book of Hebrews says, as strangers and aliens in this world, we were never that normal to begin with. And so as the church, as we see the world changing during this strange time, our job is not to look to a new normal, but a new abnormal. And the source of our abnormality, it is the hope that we carry in Jesus. We are a people of abnormal hope. And we live in a world right now that is confusing, challenging and terrifying even. And people everywhere you look, the ache for the heart right now is for hope. And we have it. We are the followers of Jesus. We are the people of abnormal hope. And so we're going to dig into this theme this morning and we're going to read together, if you've got your Bible there, from Romans chapter 4, starting at verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins, and was raised to life for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. 
Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning and we pray that you would speak to each one of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Hope is the joyful anticipation of good. It is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Hope sees the circumstances around you say one thing and hope says another. In this passage, Paul is referencing the story of Abraham and the way in which Hope helped him to access the abnormal in the midst of his challenging circumstances. Abraham and Sarah are given this promise of children, of a legacy, and Abraham believed it. Even though they were far too old, even though circumstances said that will never happen, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. What a verse. I love that defiance. Hope is the joyful expectation of breakthrough. See, what hope does is hope reinterprets our circumstances. Hope brings perspective. Abraham and Sarah receive this promise, you will have children. But the circumstance, the very real historical circumstance is that they're far too old. The Bible literally said his body was as good as dead, which is harsh. But the circumstances are clear. This isn't going to happen in any natural way. But against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Hope reinterprets our circumstances. At the beginning of this year, I was taken into hospital with a very severe case of pneumonia. It was a really challenging time for our family as I recovered and was released from hospital, but it transpired that there was some lasting damage to my lungs because of this. And so I've been working with a physio and, uh, and the physio said, you know, we're going to work with you. We're going to get you back to relatively normal. There's that lovely phrase about normal again. And she said, you don't do any kind of public speaking or anything like that in your line of work, do you? And I said, well, Actually, I do do a fair little bit of that, not knowing quite how to explain to her the gift of preaching and all that I do and my job in terms of that. And I said, yeah, I, I do do a bit. Is that going to be a problem? And she did that thing, you know, that medical professionals do where they kind of lean back and they say, ah, yes, that, that might be a bit of a problem. Um, and so we go away from that phone call, processing what this might mean and my husband and I phoned Pete and Sammy Gregg, who are our good friends and fellow pastors at Emmaus with us. And we were relaying this news to them. And Pete, without missing a beat, just looked me in the eye and said, Hannah, start writing your next sermon. Now, that is an abnormal response to a circumstance because we are the abnormal people. And the hope that we carry, the hope that we hold, the hope that Jesus died for reinterprets our circumstances. We are the people of abnormal hope. I don't want to get back to normal. 
or used to my new normal. I want to lean deeper and deeper into the abnormal, the super normal, the super natural kingdom that is coming and transforming this world and breathing life and miracles and hope. Jürgen Moltmann says this, Jesus' healings are not supernatural miracles in a natural world. They are the only natural things in a world that is unnatural, demonized and wounded. Hope brings a shift in perspective. It reinterprets our circumstances. See, the problem really is when we stop being abnormal. When we start to see the world as it is and think that this is how it should be. The problem is when we start being convinced by our circumstances or or by the strange times that we're living in. These times are strange, but we are stranger. And we have hope and hope reinterprets circumstance. So what does hope want to say to you today about, about life in this strange time, about your church, about your city? What does hope lean down and whisper in your ear today about your neighborhood, about those dreams in your heart, those promises that lie unfulfilled? Is there an area in your life where God has spoken or he has promised something, but the circumstances are telling you something really different now. Verse 20, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. What do I do when the circumstances around me say one thing, but God has said another? The circumstances in your life right now might look like they deny the very promise that God has given you for your life. And yet in the midst of that situation, you can have the joyful anticipation of breakthrough. We don't know if it'll be today or tomorrow. What you can know is that you've done what you're supposed to do. And we have a God who has a reputation for breaking into impossible situations. Abraham was fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Are you persuaded today? Are you leaning into abnormal hope? Hosea 2.15 says, I will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. Valley of Achor means valley of trouble. See, when we trust in God, the valley of trouble becomes a doorway into hope. Perhaps today God sees you in the valley in the midst of your trials. And and maybe it's time for him to open the doorway to hope for you once again, to begin to reinterpret your circumstances. And hope, another thing that hope does is it brings what's dead to life. And we see this twice in this passage. We see Abraham's body, which was practically dead, bring forth life. And then Paul goes on to talk, of course, about Jesus being raised from the dead. Our hope is in Jesus, in his death and resurrection. This is what we base our hope on. And as we hope because of his resurrection, that hope can bring life to the dead places, the dry places, the barren places in our lives. I want to jump for a moment to Ezekiel 37 which contains the prophecy of the Valley of Dry Bones. And we don't have time to read the whole thing through, but hopefully you're familiar with this story. Ezekiel is brought to this valley, which is filled with bones. 
and the bones are described as being very dry. And I want to ask you this question this morning. Why are the bones dry? So there's this desolate land and God tells Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones. And as he does, there's there's this rattling sound and this epic moment where the bones start to come together and then skin forms and then breath. And finally, they're standing before him, this vast army who are alive. And then they say something fascinating. They say this, our bones are dried up. Why? Why are they dry? Well, they're missing something. Their bones are dry because they've lost their hope. Our bones are dried up, they say. Our hope is gone. We are cut off. See, what happens when we lose hope is we begin to dry up. We lose our identity. We get cut off. And you can feel that sense of hopelessness, I think, in the midst of this pandemic that we're all going through. That feeling of being cut off and isolated, separated from the people and the places that are so familiar. They've lost their hope. I think most of us will walk through a valley like this at some point in our lives. And I wonder if this pandemic is kind of creating this on a massive scale as millions of people have felt collectively hopeless. You know, I'm conscious that for so many of you watching this today, perhaps you may have experienced the loss of a loved one in recent times. Many of us are in mourning right now. But in the midst of our grief, we have a God who draws close and reminds us that we don't grieve like those who have no hope. The future for society in governments across the world, it all feels so uncertain right now. There's this drought of hope around us. But we, we are the abnormal hopers. Because life is uncertain, but the promises of God are not. The hope of the resurrection is not. The power of God is not. And as we refill ourselves with hope, we come back to life. And how important that is in the valley of bones of 2020. You see bones, I see an army. The solution to their lack of hope here, Ezekiel is told to prophesy to them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. The spirit in scripture is often represented by water. And to be abnormal hopers in a dry place We too need to be filled up to overflowing with the Spirit of God. See, one of the things about bones that are dry is that they are fragile. They are brittle. They're easily broken, easily fractured. And I wonder if we look back over the past few months of this difficult year, if we can see ourselves just getting a bit more fragile. You know, just easier to snap, quicker to to break, quicker to be broken by things. I think we need the filling of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of hope. The spirit strengthens us. He takes away our fear and replaces it with faith. See, fear isn't a sin in itself, but if we dwell in fear, if we set up our camp there, the offspring of fear becomes hopelessness. That's what it can birth in us if we're not truly wedded to hope. 
Hope brings life where there is death. And hope is a gift. Going back to Romans, the passage that we've been reading from, in verse 5 it says, Hope does not put us to shame or does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Sometimes I think hope can feel a little bit like wishful thinking or some abstract kind of self-help process where we really try really, really hard to get ourselves back to a good place. But no, hope, Paul says, does not put us to shame. Because through the Holy Spirit, God's love is poured out into our hearts. hearts. Note how lavish that is. It's poured out. It's given in abundance. It's not this trickle. It's poured out into us while we're still powerless, still sinners. Christ died that we might be filled to the brim, to overflowing with hope. Hope, you see, is a gift. I have uh, a little two-year-old called Thea and you guys haven't had the chance to meet her yet but she um, is just the best. She just happens to have the most adorable face anyone in the world has ever seen and it's possible that I'm slightly biased on that but if you meet her I think you would agree she is just adorable and Thea goes to nursery a couple of days a week while I work and Usually at nursery, the drop off, there's this difficult moment where we arrive and we switch off the car engine and I turn and I ask her, how are you feeling? And there's usually this moment where even though she's going to enjoy it when she gets in there and I know she's going to have fun and play with her friends, there's always this moment where she has to say bye to mum and she gets a little bit wobbly and a little bit tearful. And so we've been working on having courage and, you know, we drive there, we listen to um, some like old school sound of music you know, when Julie Andrews is like, I have confidence and we're trying to teach her all about courage. And, um, and so on one, on one occasion the other week, I was dropping Thea off in nursery and I turned around and I said, how are you feeling? And she said, mom, I'm feeling a bit worried. And um, of course, inside I'm like ugly crying because my little girl is worried and this little face is looking at me. But on the outside, I said, Thea, that's all right. I understand you're feeling worried, but remember, courage is when we feel a bit worried about something but we know that we can do it anyways and we and we find the courage and then we go in and we do it and she said she just looks at me and she said but mommy I don't have any courage today I'm like oh more ugly tears on the inside just like breaking I'm like okay Thea and I just try to try to cheer her up a bit so I just go okay you don't have any today that's all right here you go here's some courage and do this little funny thing and it kind of makes her laugh and almost like sprinkle it like fairy dust and and she giggles a bit but then her little two-year-old face becomes very serious again and she looks me in the eye and she said but mummy that's not real courage that's just pretend (laughs) and of course she's right isn't she like I can't just sort of sprinkle courage on her like fairy dust courage is something that you have to you know she has to muster up she has to summon it up inside herself it's not something I can give her from the outside. And I think, I think the problem is that sometimes we can think of hope as being a little bit like that, as something that, you know, that we have to kind of muster up. And then we find ourselves disappointed because we can't do it. But then Paul says, hope does not disappoint. So what's going on? Well, I think hope doesn't leave us disappointed like Thea because The Spirit is poured out into our hearts and He's the Spirit of truth. And as God pours Himself into our hearts, 
we get filled up with hope. See, hope isn't something that we muster up. It's something that is given to us by the Spirit. It's a gift. It's this lavish, poured out gift that is given. So all we need to do is open up our hands, open up our hearts and receive it. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Has hope disappointed you lately? Have you felt yourself run dry? Has summoning it up felt difficult? Or may the God of hope fill you as you trust him, that you may overflow with hope by the power of his spirit. And if he's pouring out hope today by his spirit, is there anything that might stop you from getting filled up today? Anything that's stopping you from opening up your hands and receiving this gift that he has for you? And finally, hope is resistance. In verse three, Paul starts to talk about suffering and he says, we rejoice in our sufferings. Now the backdrop of this, of course, is that Paul and the other early Christians, they are undergoing tremendous suffering and persecution from the empire. And in the face of this suffering, Paul defiantly says, not only is this not a problem, but I am going to rejoice in this because suffering brings perseverance, perseverance character, and character just gives me even more hope. Suffering, trials, pandemics, they don't need to leave us dried out, leave us spent and exhausted and jaded. In the kingdom, upside down laws where one plus one doesn't equal two. Suffering doesn't have to mean losing hope. Suffering, Paul says, can become a factory of hope in your life. If you read through the New Testament, you'll find so many references to hope. But what's fascinating is how much this hope got the early Christians into trouble. Acts 23 verse 6, I stand on trial because of the hope of the resurrection of the dead. Acts 26 6, it's because of hope that I'm on trial today. Acts 26 7, it's because of this hope that I'm being accused. Acts 28 20, it's because of hope that I'm bound with this chain. Why am I on trial? Why am I being accused? Why am I in chains? Paul says, because of hope. Hope is not some slightly wishful thinking, wishy-washy little Christian thing that Christians sometimes like to talk about or sing about or like print onto a cute magnet to go on our fridge. Hope is radically countercultural. Hope gets in the face of the empire and says, you know what? There's another way. My hope is real. And what that means is the way of mammon, the way of consumerism, the way of this life is all that there is. So take what you can and enjoy it while you can. Hope gets in the face of all of those things and says, there's another way. Because of the resurrection of the dead, because of the kingdom that is coming, because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, because Jesus is alive and the empire of Babylon has not won and will not win. Hope knows there's so much more than this. And so hope is dangerous. 
It is dangerous to empires that exist on trapping people in consumerism and debt. It is dangerous to empires that exist to dominate and oppress. It's dangerous in political systems that fear the outsider, the refugee. It is dangerous in political systems that tie the name of Jesus to ruthless authority and power. In the face of the empire of Babylon, hope says, I have enough. And more than that, I have more than enough. And so hope says my neighbor is my priority. Hope says no one needs to go hungry. Hope refuses to buy to fear, but always goes lower to serve. Because hope knows there is so much more available. See, the problem is when we stop being abnormal, when we see the world as it is, I think that's how it should be. Heaven forbid I get back to normal. I'm here to be abnormal. So hope says bring on trials, right? Bring on challenges because in the end, all I get is more of this hope and more of this Jesus. Jürgen Moltmann again says this, resistance is the protest of those who hope and hope is the feast. I'm going to read that one again. I messed it up, Jürgen. I'm so sorry. Resistance is the protest of those who hope and hope is the feast of the people who resist. We're invited today to feast on hope. Zechariah 9.12 says this, Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. The closer we grow to Jesus and his irresistible hope, the more we become bound to hope, prisoners of hope. No matter what situation we find ourselves in, our circumstances may be overwhelming, but we are bound to hope. And the promise to the hoper is this, I will restore twice as much to you. The hoper knows there is so much more to come. Whether now or in the coming kingdom fulfillment, we will be restored twice over. For many of us, that double portion is just around the corner. That breakthrough moment is coming. And hope takes the promises of God and cements them in our souls so that our lives begin to reflect the breakthrough that we know is coming. I'm just going to take a moment to pray for you now wherever you are watching this service this morning, I just invite you to maybe open up your hands if you feel comfortable doing that and just receive for a moment as I pray that you would be filled with this hope. So Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word to us. We thank you so much for Abraham who against all hope had hope in you and I just want to pray right now for an infilling of hope for every single person who's tuning in to listen to this message today. God, I want to ask that every single one of these people would overflow with hope. Holy Spirit, thank you for the way that you lavish it upon us, that you pour it out into our hearts. And so right now we open up our hands, we open up our hearts and say we receive the gift. We want to be the people of abnormal hope in these strange times. And so, God, I pray that as we go into this next week, that we would overflow with the hope that you have given us. In Jesus' name, amen.